This is the All Into Clemson Football Podcast, the official, unofficial podcast of the Clemson Tigers. What's up, everybody? Briley here. I'm here with Carter, and we are going to recap that crazy Boston College game that Clemson pulled out over the weekend. Let's first start with the most important sound from the weekend. (laughs) Can you play that again? I'm not sure they could hear that. One more time. (laughs) I have never heard so loud of a missed extra point in my life. It was so loud. In fact, my (laughs) wife was semi-watching with me. And after it happened, she was like, what the heck was that? <laughs> it's, it's always good when you have the commentator curse too. with like, oh, he hit a 50-yard oh. field goal earlier and all that. And he has and all. Never missed an extra point. And don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then Joe Tess afterwards. And he doinked it. He bricked it. That was unfortunate. That's all right. <laughs> they thankfully didn't come back and bite him in the butt. But um, okay, well, here's the real sound that we that we wanted to play for you right here. To have the largest comeback in the history of Death Valley, that means you got to get down a lot of points. <laughs> so that part wasn't fun. A lot of mistakes, a lot of miscues. Uh, but there's a reason why it's the largest comeback ever, because usually when you get down like that, you don't win. Uh, so I'm just really proud of our team. You saw, again, you saw our heart, you saw our, our, our character, you saw our culture, you saw our belief. <laughs> is that going to be in the uh, montage of useless sound <laughs> i don't know i'll have to ask trevor unfortunately he's out sick today so uh he's not here with us but i'm sure that will be included because <laughs> i mean duh you know <laughs> good old dabo yes but uh to his point yes there were a lot of mistakes this game but i i mean heck of a comeback really seriously i mean you Truly, you don't get down that often and win games. And this was the largest comeback in Death Valley history. Yeah, honestly, I'm very impressed with how Clemson uh, fought back and played. It was, I think, their most impressive game of the season so far. Tell me, yeah, we're we're jumping into this quick, but uh, were you nervous? 18 points down. What what were your thoughts? Again, like we've you've asked me this before. Like I was a little bit more nervous than usual, but I didn't feel like the game was over at all ever. Like I feel. I've, I was telling you also, like, I feel confident going in this week against Notre Dame. So, like, oh, the confidence really of this jumping team, ahead here. Sorry, I was just moving along. But um, the more watching the game, the more confidence I had in them. And their de- and defense stepped up later up later on in the second half. And it was – I was impressed. So All right. I was, I was very nervous after the fumble return. <laughs> that, that was my lowest point. <laughs> I was absolutely expecting them to lose. And then... Oh, was that the start? I was like, when when did that happen? That was the second quarter? Yeah, it was pretty (laughs) early. And there were a few other times that I was nervous as well. Nervous as well. But who cares? I'm an idiot. What would I know? (laughs) And they came back and won. So uh, let's let's chat about it. First, here's what the episode is going to look like for for our listeners here. We're first going to talk about our pivotal plays and top takeaways. I still love that. Who comes up with those cheesy names? (laughs) Oh, I do. (laughs) And then we are going to hop into another 
of what is becoming right behind the uh, worthless sound collection is uh, Carter's Coach's Corner. That's right. It's right up there. And we have a new guest today, actually. We're looking forward to that. So stick around for that. And then finally, we will close this episode out with our Tiger Kings and Carol Baskins of the week. And there are plenty to pick from. We already showed week. you one. <laughs> we are, yeah, we did. Preview. <laughs> we didn't bury the lead this week. Uh, so, okay, let's uh, let's go ahead and hop into our pivotal plays and talk, top takeaways. If you have ever wondered if the media members, and we're not media members, by the way, although we could be. We're trying to be. We're better. We're above them. <laughs> but if you ever, if you've ever wondered if they want close and dramatic games, the answer is a resounding yes, because it makes it so much easier to talk about things and have takeaways. And so, honestly, today we have a lot of pivotal plays and top takeaways. So it was hard to boil down which you know what are the top ones. Yeah, so, which we'll, is the complete opposite of what I normally tell you after we end, like, like. What are we supposed to talk about? There's nothing to talk about. They won. I, I know. After the Georgia Tech game, you looked at me and were like, <laughs> I said, hey, what plays were pivotal? And there were like two of them in the first two minutes. The first kickoff. Yes, that was it. <laughs> so, not, not this time. We got plenty no, to talk about. Yeah, there's plenty to talk about. So my first one, and there will be a few that we'll spend more time on, but let's hit the first one here. And it was really the first offensive play of the game where Boston College had a long pass. And I wrote in my notes, I said, okay, is this going to be a preview for the rest of the game or is the defense going to settle in? And really what it turned out to be was a preview for the first half because this game was a tale, you know, two different games in two different halves. And that first drive, Boston College just ran or not, they didn't run at all. They passed the ball down the field, scored, which meant that this was the first time that uh, the Tigers had trailed in a regular season game since September 2019. That's that's a crazy stat. <laughs> September 2019. That's insane. And uh, of course, it didn't stop there either. After they, this is crazy too, after Boston College scored on the next possession, a touchdown, that was the first time that the Clemson defense had given up two touchdowns in the first two drives under Dabo Sweeney. And how long has he been the coach? For 12 years. 12 years. That's That's <laughs> incredible. That's insane. And guess what? They still didn't lose. <laughs> so many records being broken today. Yeah, there were a ton of records. So uh, anyway, so that so that was kind of the first play that I wrote down. The second play, and why don't, why don't you tell us about this? So it was DJ's pass to Travis Etienne. Yeah, it was on their first possession. It was very impressive. Uh, with They had uh, just uncovered blitz right off the edge, coming right at uh, DJ Uga. Lately, I, I practice so much, and I still again. My wife right. called him ukulele. Ukulele, so feel free, isn't it? Yeah, well, let's, let's, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll get this right right now. DJ Ui Angalele. DJ Ui. Say it with Angalele. me. Yeah, there we go. Ui Angalele. Ui Angalele. There we there go. go. All right. Anyways, impressive throw. So they had Boston College had nice un, un, uh, untouched blitz off the edge, and he just stood right in the pocket and hit. ETN right on the run, and it was an easy touchdown, 35 yards. That's That right there just showed the confidence that this freshman has and how I think Clemson is in good hands for the next three years after Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> yes. If you had any doubt about that, you no longer have that doubt. That was a beautiful pass because it was like off his back foot, falling backwards. 
Uh, and he was super calm during it. So he had that, many passes like that. Yeah, yeah. He, he was amazing. So the first real, the starred play that I have here was, uh, there was about four minutes left in the first quarter. And Boston College was up 14 to 7. Clemson was punting the ball. And Boston College returned that punt for a touchdown. Thankfully, though, it was called back because there were two penalties <laughs> on the uh, the punt return. But I tell you what, that would have changed the complexity of this game immensely. If in the first quarter they were down um, by that much after going three and out, then, you know, it, it would have been a totally different game, I think. Which then leads us to the next play where they actually did go down 21 to 7. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was when Travis Etienne fumbled the ball at the one yard line. And... <laughs> And then Boston College ran it all the way back for a touchdown. We could have used a penalty on that play. Going back to the one before that, there were multiple times in this game that there were plays that happened that it was returned because of penalties. Like, yeah. There was at least three or four. And that too bad there wasn't one on that play. But no, yeah, <laughs> of all the plays we needed it to be. They didn't the refs, the the zebras didn't come through for us there, but again, ultimately it didn't matter because we won. I was also curious on that play, like the announcers were just putting all the blame on ETN on that. Because he wasn't didn't have like a basket or like for the ball to be like what did you think about that? Because so the coaches addressed that after the game. Tony Elliott did, and he said that um, it was high, like the it match point high. was high, but that Travis didn't give DJ a big enough you know basket or or a target area there. So okay, it was high. It was I would say it was sort of on everybody, but everyone seems to put the majority of the blame on ETN for that. So okay. I was just curious because well, no, no, the announcers no. were just tell us who throwing it all on ETN. Who should it be on? You tell us. I don't You're know. You're the expert I, here. Honestly, I feel like it should be on the quarterback because he's the one who's putting the ball somewhere. I mean, the guy can have his arms out or not. You just have to hit him like right in his chest basically, right? He's just too tall. <laughs> he's too tall. I mean, DJ is quite tall. Is he like six four? He's he's a big boy. He, he's solid. He Not as big as Big Phil though. A, <laughs> dude, that guy looked like Ben Roethlisberger a, out there. He did actually very much so. Okay, so we got away from the point here, but uh, yes, the flags on the punt return, and then of course that fumble recovery. And as I mentioned at the top of this episode, I was very nervous at that point. And I think we were all nervous at that point. I mean, if we're being honest here, I, I think maybe in the back of our mind, all Clemson fans were like, okay, listen, they're going to settle in eventually. They're going to, you know, they're going to get a hold of this. But at that point in the game, the defense was the side of the ball that I was most concerned about. And they couldn't run the ball. <laughs> and they they were able to move the ball down to the one. But then there were these, you know, they were they were they were just having issues. And the biggest concern for me was the defense. So once you get down with that sort of by that many points, and your defense isn't able to stop anybody, you got to start questioning things at that mm -hmm. point. So I was of course nervous about that. And we got some more stats for you. Since that was the first time since 2014 that Clemson had been down by two touchdowns in the regular season. <laughs> We're talking a lot about 20, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, things like that. I mean, just shows the dominance throughout the years. Absolutely. Okay. So that happened. It was 21 and seven. And then the, really for me, this is, this was when I actually thought that Boston college, this, this sort of nailed the coffin for me of when I, I thought Boston college was actually going to beat Clemson at this point. 
And this was the long drive that they had to almost close out the first half uh, where they scored a touchdown. It was a 15-play drive that lasted 7 minutes and 42 seconds. I mean, it almost it was almost the perfect drive to end a half because I actually wondered, I thought I didn't think they left Clemson enough time to score, although Clemson did eventually get a, a field goal, which by the way turned out to be a big deal in this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it, it was like the perfect uh, drive for them. They were helped out, of course, by a roughing the passer penalty. These that, penalties. How do you feel about that week? You saw that, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I, everyone on Twitter was like, oh my gosh, that was the weakest roughing the passer penalty ever. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Have you ever seen Tom Brady play? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it was roughing the passer. I. I don't know what to say other than that he hit him late. I mean, yeah, it may have been weak, I, but there's listen, no point to happened. even hit him. Like, yeah. and of course, I mean, the real the the story to that inter or uh, excuse me, the story to that hit was that it was an interception mm-hmm. <laughs> that was um, reversed because of that, and uh, and then they had <sighs> this was such a great drive. I know I'm not a Boston <laughs> College fan, but I was just like, dang, this was this was a so, such a dramatic drive. That that fake field goal was amazing. Yeah, I've it, never seen anything like that before. It was amazing, and Dabo talked about it after the game of how you know he warned everybody like, "Hey, they're gonna try to draw you off sides. They're gonna try to draw you off sides. Watch out." And even then, listen, I give them all the excuses in the world for jumping offside on that play. I was like, for me, I was just sitting on the couch like, huh, 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 "What's going on here? What's happening?" And uh, I would have jumped off sides. In fact, I did jump off sides. I jumped off the couch. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> what in the world? Uh, that was an amazing play. That was fantastic. And then it was almost topped by the touchdown catch. That was equally amazing. First of all, how <laughs> how did the receiver catch it and then not fall down? It looks so awkward, but he didn't even step out of bounds at all. It's Man. got the balance of easily both of us combined that he hasn't just in one leg <laughs> <laughs> yes the strength we're <laughs> we're unathletic uh no i mean it was just amazing and um again i you know i thought it was going to prevent clemson from going for you know getting points at the end, end of the half but they eventually got them so that was the first half and boston college was aggressive they looked like the better team they had clemson on their heels and then the second half came yeah, around. I was going to say, it was a completely different game for Boston College in the second half. Yes. And if we all know the coaches, and they never last long, okay, at places. The coaches who seem to be aggressive, they get a big lead, and then what do they do? They play not to lose. And that's the way I felt like Boston College played in the second half. They ran the ball so much without any production. Exactly. And, I mean, the crazy part is, in the first half, they were just chucking the ball over yeah. the, with with amazing success never gave their quarterback opportunity to show what he had yeah. from the other than the first possession where it seemed like he could really sling the ball pretty good <laughs> yeah no i mean the entire first half was just throw 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 and then the second half i didn't see much from them so the first big play in the second half was the 30 yard touchdown run from dj on a fourth and one uh, and that was on the first drive of the second half that was that's probably the most pivotal play of this game, I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got him within one possession at that point. And it was by far at that point, the longest run of the game, which was previous to that only 11 yards by ETN who, and we'll get to this in a bit, but 
Uh, we're still having issues in the running game, but this was actually, it was back-to-back runs by DJU. I like that nickname. Do you that, like that? That's much easier to Are you say. on board with DJU. that? DJU. <laughs> All right, let's do that for the rest of the episode. DJU. And uh, people were kind of screaming about this. They're like, because coming into the game, that was sort of the dimension that everyone was talking about with, with DJ. They were like, oh, he's a big 250-pound guy. He's going to run the ball. And uh, he they didn't run once with him in the first half. And here, here's sort of what I, and I don't have any inside information on this, but here's what I think was happening was um, DJ had an injured shoulder for the last couple of weeks. So they either didn't want to run him in the first half. Like, I guess that I would say they're doing this a lot with players who are injured. They don't want to play them unless they have to. And that's the way that I would view this running is they didn't want to run him unless they had to. And then when you're down by 15, you eventually have to. Well, how often does Trevor Lawrence run the ball other than inside the 10-yard line? Well, again, you're hitting a soft spot for me. I don't, I don't like that. Well, no. Like, how often does he run the ball? Not often. Do they have, like, designed runs for him? They do. Not very often, though. So then why, no, why no. make it such well, a big deal about no, DJU running the ball? Of course. The difference, though, is that Trevor is Trevor. As, yeah, well, as Tony from what Elliott I saw from, this, from DJU, his first game... Like, this guy could be just as good. Yeah, he could be, but he's not yet. Although, I don't know, maybe he is. So let's just run the ball to make sure that he's not as good Well, getting hurt. <laughs> okay, he's still a freshman, though, so I think they were babying him in the first half. I, I just don't the think they need half, to run the ball with him with ETN. Like, I think they needed to. At that point, they did, absolutely. Just let him throw the ball, man. Okay, well, they eventually did. <laughs> so, <laughs> threw the ball 41 times. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> uh, so, But then the other thing here is that <laughs> um, Tyson Pumachan, who is the backup quarterback, is not good right now. <laughs> so I think another consideration here is that they didn't want to run him because they didn't want him to get hurt and then have to bring in Pumachan, who has struggled so far this season. So those would be my reasons, at least. But eventually, they let him run the ball, and uh, he looked good. He looked good. And uh, that, again, cut the lead to one possession, and eventually they they took the lead and won this game. And uh, the final play to me, and this is sort of an unheralded play, was uh, in the fourth quarter, Boston College was down by four points at this point. And uh, their quarterback, there was a wide receiver streaking down the field on the sideline, wide open. There's probably, I think there were like 12 minutes left in the game. And he overthrew him. And if he had caught it, it would have been a touchdown. And this game would have been different. Because after that, they really didn't get anything going in, in the fourth quarter. They didn't get anything going in the third quarter. But that was like their one chance to really take the lead again and put the pressure on Clemson. And instead, they just missed the opportunity. And uh, they just didn't have another good shot for a big play at that point. So uh, those were the big plays. And again, there was also uh, the roughing the passer and targeting on Xavier Thomas. He had what I would call the best, his best play of the season, followed up by his worst play of the season, where he just kind of like... <laughs> All in one game. <laughs> like put his head down and hugged the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> in a weird no, way and uh dude he just like headbutted him yeah it, like, it was strange launched his head <laughs> i'm not sure what he was doing and of course that wiped out another uh interception by Balen inspector that's at least what that's at least three plays that we've mentioned that penalties have yeah taken away yeah pen- there were a ton of penalties in this game another big takeaway from that is that he's actually gonna miss the first half of the notre dame game because of that 
So they were already, you know, we're having a lot of uh, depth issues, I would say, and that's going to hurt. You don't want to lose yeah. a guy for like that for the first half. So uh, those were the big plays. What? Let's go to our top takeaways here. And you already mentioned this. It's that, listen, Clemson's good for the next couple of years at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what Tony Elliott, uh, th- this was, this was uh, kind of a cool story of how Tony Elliott uh, learned that Trevor was going to be out and how DJ took the news. So it's, it's about 12, it was probably about 12.45 on Thursday. And, uh, you know, I scheduled my haircut downstairs and, and got done with it. I was walking back upstairs. I peeked my head in the quarterback room and DJ was in there watching film. I'm oblivious to, oblivious to what's going on. So then I go back and sit down and, and start finishing up, uh, you know, the finishing touches for the practice. And coach comes in and he just, he, he drops the bomb and says, hey, Trevor's out. I said, okay, that's good, man. We've been here before. And, and I drew my confidence from the fact that, man, I was a first-time coordinator and had Cole Stout. And I just remember how the guys rallied around him. And so that was going to be my objective, just to get these guys to rally around uh, DJ. I said, hey, DJ is right there in the quarterback room. So he walked in there, uh, shut the door, and they had a great conversation. And, and per some of the things that, that Coach Sweeney was looking for, he immediately had some confirmation through that conversation. Uh, and then that's really, you know, that's – and we were going forward. So there was no – Communication after that about, hey, we got we to gotta reset the plan, restructure the plan. It's like, hey, this is the plan based off of the structure, and we're just going to challenge this young man because we know we can do it. And he went out there and he executed. He absolutely came out and executed. And uh, I, I think we played that specifically because it's not often that we kind of get an inside look of what happens, you know, in the walls of the practice facility. And especially now when you know, reporters don't really have access to any of that at this point. And uh, a lot of times coaches don't share things about anything. In fact, Trevor Lawrence talked to the team on Thursday night and somebody asked him about what, you know, asked Dabo what Trevor said. And, and Dabo was like, yeah, we're not talking about that. Like, <laughs> All right. <laughs> so. Yeah. But I mean, it's good though to see and hear those stories, especially with backups that they're putting in the work and being ready for whenever their number's called. And DJ definitely showed that he was ready to be called. Yeah, absolutely. So that's great. They're gonna, they're set for the next couple of years. And it sounds like you think especially that they're set next week against Notre Dame too because Trevor Lawrence is going to be out. Um, and we will chat about that in a minute. All right, the second takeaway that I have from this game, and this could be a season season-long takeaway, by the way, is that the running game sucks butt. <laughs> it's so bad right now. <laughs> we talk about it after every game. And the preview of every game is saying we need yes. to get the run game going. And here we are again. We like to toot our own our own horn around here. So you could go back to our first recap episode, and you would hear us talk about the run game because. And we've been tooting it ever since because it's been bad. And how many yards did they finish in this with in this game? Uh, just over a hundred. Hundred and six. Hundred and six. Not many. That's not enough, <laughs> especially in a game where you expected ETN to uh, really take over. Broke the record, at least. He did. <laughs> Finally. He he got those yards. It only took him three quarters to get, what, 46 yards? Maybe something like that, yeah. <laughs> not good. So uh, there are a few explanations for this, and I hear a lot of excuses. And the first excuse is that, well, listen, all these teams are trying to stuff the box full of players and keep Clemson from running the ball. And my answer to you is, they've always done that. And Clemson has always found ways to get yards uh, on the ground. And so, really, the the offensive line, to me, is where the blame falls. 
on this. And the other excuse is, I've been seeing this a lot, especially in the first half. They were like, well, they can't run the ball because because they would do the RPOs or the you know the option plays. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, no one respects DJ running because he's not running. And I'm like, then call a different running play. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, how, diff- how difficult is that? You can't, you're not going to win the national championship if you're recording 103 rushing errors against Boston College. And so I think there are a few ways that they can fix this. First of all, is number one, put a better emphasis on running the ball. Number two, uh, get a better offensive line. Just do it. Just get a better offensive line. I don't care. Pay some players. Get better. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do that. Uh, no, but seriously, the, the next option is to actually have some better wide receivers that defenses have to stop and they have to account for. Because right now, outside of Amari Rogers, there's not much in the way of a deep threat. And as, as well as Cornell Powell has played, and uh, we'll talk about that here in a second, they need somebody like Ngata. And again, we've been hitting on this for weeks now. Uh, but eventually, they're running out of time. They got to, they, they need to figure something out here. So uh, a couple of stats about the running game. And, and <laughs> so I, I totaled this up after the first quarter. And, and this is what happens. They end up getting no yards on first down runs. In the first quarter, they attempted five rushing attempts on first down, right? Here's how they went. Two yards, two yards, two yards, one yard, two yards. <laughs> they averaged 1.8 yards on those attempts. Which leads right to th- long third downs again. Exactly. So if you don't pick up any yards on second down, you're in a third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. Like, that's just not the way to be successful. And so far, they've been good at converting those third downs, which, hey, boy, good job. But that's not going to cut it. And here's uh, something that David Hale tweeted out uh, yesterday as well. Uh, Clemson's first down yards before contact uh, per rush versus uh, FBS teams in the last three years. 2018, 3.9 yards. 2019, 2.5. 2020, 1.5. One yard. That's ridiculous. It's that that's not good in case you're wondering. It's not good. So listen, we got to get this fixed. Um, and it's not Trev Zetian's fault. I mean, he had 20 carries. Do you think that's enough for UTN in a game? It is when he's getting two yards a rush. Okay, that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, it's not enough, I would say. But, I mean, listen, I don't think anyone expected DJ to come out here and perform the way that he did. Yeah. Well, I I just didn't know if, like, sometimes you see people like, hey, this guy needs to have this many rushing attempts like in this game, this isn't one of those scenarios, you don't think. They just need to be better with well, the, the difference is, calls that are called. Do you have it pulled up? How many receptions did he have in the game? ETN had seven receptions. He had 140 receiving yards. How many rushing seven, yards? Uh, 84 on yeah. 20 carries. I mean, eh, rushing the ball. But, I mean, he's obviously become an amazing receiver. Just put him receiver. in the slot. <laughs> he's, he's their best receiver, I'm just going to say. Even above Amari Rogers. He's the best option because yes. he, he's got the linebackers and safeties lined up against yeah. him. He's so dynamic. So let's quit sucking butt in the run game and get better. Okay. Uh, Cornell Powell, second best receiver so far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was nobody else yesterday that showed anything. That's for sure. No. And Ngata didn't play much. Frank Ladson was uh, non-existent because... Between both of those, they had zero receptions. Yes. And Frank Ladson was injured and a Joe, a Joe didn't play any. So, but, but my question is, and this was something coming into the season that we thought was going to be a strength. 
Where's Braden Galloway, the tight end? He's also non-existent. Not here on the stat sheet at all because he also had zero reception. Yeah, so eventually I, I'm starting to get nervous about this. And this would be a time where I were, if I were to ask this question to Dabo in a press conference, he'd bite my head off because it seems like a silly question. But if your top receivers are Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell, you're not going to be overly successful or explosive, I think, in the passing game. Yeah. And so I'd like to see that change, obviously, in the future. Uh, my next takeaway is that it's time to get our start, you know, these injuries. We got to be done with them, okay? We we need to get over this. We need to get he- healthy. Skalski is going to be out for a few more weeks. Tyler Davis is going to be out as well. And Gata and Latson, who the heck knows? This has been an ongoing conversation for the last month now. And now throw in their suspensions, too. Suspensions. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. With uh, Xavier, uh, Xavier Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. And then Trevor Lawrence is out. Obviously, like this team is beat up right now, and uh, thankfully it doesn't seem to be uh, season-ending injuries, but uh, it's certainly affecting. I think the performance of the defense and uh, even the offense. So speaking of Trevor, as we mentioned, he's going to be unavailable next week. Here's what Dabo had to say after the game about uh, why Trevor will not be available next week. Trevor will not be able to play. So I'll go ahead and get that out there. You know, he's doing great. You know, Zoomed with the team last night, talked to him this morning. He's, he, he feels like he could play today. So he's he's doing well, but obviously we have – there's a protocol in place. And so it was, he will be out in time to play, but then you have the cardiac part of it that you have to kind of ramp back up. And even if he feels great and, and could, could probably go play – you know, he's not allowed to do that simply because of the protocol that's in place. And that's, that's put in place to, to make sure that he can return to play safely. Uh, so the, the, the cardiac piece, well, you have the 10 days, but then you got the cardiac part. So he, he, he won't be able to get through that in time to play next week. My first question is uh, Trevor who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about now? We'll see after next week if we're <laughs> acting the same way. Is that, over, is that an overreaction? <laughs> One week, we don't need him. Come on. Trevor's back. Oh, you're benched. <laughs> yeah. No, I tell you what, though. I, I'm thankful that Dabo addressed this early because mm-hmm. it takes a distraction away from this team immediately. Unless, of course, he is lying about this. And uh, this calling is just Dabo a, a liar. Yeah. No, I'm not calling him that. I'm just saying it wouldn't be the worst play in the world if he says, oh, yeah, Trevor's not playing. And then. He shows up on Saturday and crushes Notre Dame. <clears throat> I don't That's see that. That's not happen. gonna happen. No, though. it's not. Uh what, what what's your early impression of next week? We'll talk about this obviously throughout next week, but right now, instant reaction after the game. How do you feel about going into next week against Notre Dame in South Bend? Honestly, I feel pretty confident. If Clemson comes out and plays like they did the start of the second half against Boston College then there shouldn't be any trouble really at all. I haven't been too impressed with Notre Dame and what they've shown. And so far with, I mean, we just have one game from Clemson with here with DJ at the reins, but he seemed confident and that's all you really need. Like he's got the skill set, that's for sure. So if they come out confident and defense needs to be more reliable, especially to start the game, because obviously Notre Dame is better than Boston College. Eh? I don't no, think <laughs> if Clemson does get down 18 points to Notre Dame, I think it will be a different story. So start the game out strong, and I think they'll be just fine. All right. You heard it here first. Clemson by a million <laughs> from Carter. We you always like that, don't you? I do like that for some reason. Did, weren't they supposed to beat Boston College by a million and seven points or something? Yeah, they did. 
Yeah. Well, no, we didn't publish that. So. Oh, never mind. <laughs> that's a, you say that every week. I know that's sort of an inside joke. We so we recorded a full preview episode, and then we both got that notification from the ESPN app that Trevor would be out, and we're like, "Well, crap!" So we just recorded. <laughs> that was a long episode. night. Yeah, that was a long night. All right, so we'll obviously talk about that game this week. Our sole focus will be on this Notre Dame game. I've been waiting for it all week. All right, so those are our top plays and, excuse me, pivotal plays and top takeaways. Let's take a quick 30-second break to hear from our sponsor, Anchor Podcasts, and then we will hop into Carter's Coach's Corner. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Can't wait! Welcome in, everybody, to our new favorite segment on this podcast, Carter's Coach's Corner. Bradley has stepped away from the microphone, which that allows me to bring you this segment. As you guys know, or if this is your first time here, I'll explain it to you. What we do is we bring in coaches, specifically we've brought in Dabo Sweeney, but we have a new guest for you today. Um, but we will mention that a little bit later on. But what we do is we ask the coaches the same questions that reporter asked them throughout the game. And this time though, we have these coaches sign away their life saying that they will give us the honest answer that, that what they were thinking in that moment. They will not hold back. They will tell us everything that's on their mind. And they have signed documents here saying that they will do that. And I love that about this. So in the past couple of weeks, we've had Dabo Sweeney on. This time we've switched it up. I had Dabo reach out to Brent Venables for me and he was very nice to do that. And surprisingly, Brent Venables said yes. So Brent Venables is with us right now. Brent Venables, can you hear me? Hey, what's up, Carter? Yeah, I'm super excited to be on here. And in fact, I told Dabo, I reached out to him and said, hey, I want to be on that Carter's Coach's Corner. So here I am. Oh, well, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. I'm glad you're taking the time uh, to join us, especially after uh, such an interesting game yesterday. Yeah, that was an interesting game. I tell you what, our uh, my boys, my defensive boys, they... Uh, they had a good second half, so let's not talk about the first half at all, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> all right. Now, do you know how this game works? Absolutely. I'll just be honest with you, right? Exactly. That's the only rule here. What we have here, when you walk into my office here, it says honesty is the best policy. That's what we go by. So I'm going to ask you the first question, and then I'll play your response that you had to the reporter, and then I'll let you do all the speaking, all right? All right, good. I like I like the sound of my own voice, so okay. go ahead and play that for me. <laughs> All right, the first question we have for you is, what worked different for you guys in the second half? And this is your response. Uh, we just we pulled out our second half script and uh, started, used a different script. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I, you don't have to laugh. It wasn't very funny, but... All right, that was your answer. Now, can you give us your real answer, please? Well, first of all, uh, I told that reporter that he didn't have to laugh because it wasn't that funny. And uh, truth is, they do have to laugh because it is that funny. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I haven't told many people this, but I figure this is a safe space because this car's coach's corner. And uh, I'm actually practicing to be a stand-up comic, you know? And uh, that was my first line. And really, the way that I'm going to succeed is if you come to my show, you have to laugh or I'll put you in an Oklahoma drill against <laughs> me. And you know who's going to win that? Me. So, you know, of course, what, what worked differently in the second half was 
BT sucked, and uh, we just got better. So, you know, it, there's really no other answer than our guys actually tried in the second half. <laughs> well, there you go. That makes that makes perfect sense, actually. <laughs> All right. Uh, second question we've got for you is this. How do you think the defense answered the call in the second half? Now, this is basically like the first question. So let's see what your response was, though. Yeah, I think, again, um, we challenged him at halftime. And uh, it, was a, it was a real live fork in the road. And um, I just think we had a, just a bite down mentality. I think our guys came out ready to play. All right, Coach, I know you got more than that. What do you got for us? Yeah, they didn't let me expand on what I meant by a real live fork in the road. And this is probably my favorite illustration that I use. And I'm full of good illustration, you know, southpaws. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of good phrases that I use, but a real life fork in the road is, is one of my favorites. And basically, have you, have you ever seen Toy Story? What is it for? And oh. uh, Sporky. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's my favorite character, and he just has so much heart. And, uh, you know, most people think that my favorite movies are like Die Hard and uh, Saving Private Ryan. And really, I'm kind of scared of those movies, to tell you the truth. And uh, I just love me some animated Toy Story movies. And so I use Sporky as some of my favorite, favorite illustrations because I tell you what, that, that, that Spork has some heart. And uh, I just need our defense to come out and play like that all the time and they really did in the second half and uh again it's because boston college is no good and we decided to try so you know sparky remember that <laughs> well we definitely remember that after this interview that's for sure now i hate to ask this next question after you got emotional about uh, a fork there but uh, the next question the reporter asked you is can you rate your son's performance today and this is your response well i mean i was very proud of him you know like i would be anybody that steps up and um, you know, made made plays that were there. You know, he'll 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 be the first to tell you he wish he could have a player or two back. But you know, he was active. He's disruptive. Now, coach, I know your son has feelings, and the rest of your players do too. But I, I need you to be honest with me here. What do you really think about your son's performance? Well, of course, I said I was proud of him, like I'd be of anyone else. And the reason I say that is because I don't really have sons. They're adopted to begin with, and. Uh, you know, when we adopted them, I thought they'd be better at basketball. That's why I always talk about layups, you know. And they're so soft anyways. They should play basketball. But, uh, yeah, I guess I could be proud of them. You know, he, he tries to act like me and have my intensity, but they don't eat nails for breakfast like I do. And they'll never be what I am today. Of course, making millions of dollars, putting their butts through college and playing for me and truth is i'm already softer on them anyways i mean listen coach Dabo is soft on his kids and he's soft on herb street's kids of course we play favorites you know that's how we uh, get all these big recruits i mean well i guess this is we're being honest here <laughs> so don't tell him i said that he won't <laughs> let me back on but uh you know how it is i guess that's big news too that my sons are adopted but um you know i mean i can only be so proud of them because they're not that good. <laughs> I mean, I'm really proud of players like Andrew Booth and Xavier Thomas because I tell you what, that targeting, that's a tough man's play. That's what I like to see. You just jump on them and you tackle them. And they just don't have that intensity like I do. 
And if I was out there, if you just give me 12 Brent Venables, man, we'd literally kill the other team. <laughs> we'd eat them alive. So, um, wow, I just got intense there. That's like what my practice or practices are like. But I'm glad I can be honest with you on here on this coach's corner. Well, I'm glad you're honest with us too. I tell you what, you scared me there for a moment, but I'm glad we we're talking over the phone. <laughs> Good, good. Well, I had to make up for my sporty comment. <laughs> yeah, we don't want people thinking that you're too soft or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, and I need to I need to tell everyone to come on out to my next stand-up comic show. Next Saturday, I'm actually going to be in South Bend, Indiana. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be right next to Touchdown Jesus. And uh, we're going to be taking on the biggest joke in college football, the biggest pansies in college football, the golden helmets who haven't won anything in like 45 years. And so, yeah, I mean, we're going to pull out our first half script against them. <laughs> you can laugh now, okay? That's, that's when you're supposed to laugh. That's my best joke. Oh, there we go. Well, I'm glad I was laughing before you said that anyways. But tell you what, we're looking forward to next week's game against Notre Dame. And uh, we're going to have to end this interview here. But I'll tell you what, good luck, Coach. And I thank you so much for joining us. Yes, sir. Lux. We don't need luck, but we appreciate it. Thanks. No problem. Glad to have you on. Well, I want to thank Coach Brent Venables for being here. And I'll tell you what, you heard this here first, that his sons are adopted. And I will just leave that there. And we will move on to our next segment of Tiger King and Carol Baskins. Woo. All right, I'm back. How was how was Brent this week? Oh, it was fantastic. It was good to change it up other than just having Coach Dabble on. Yeah, Dabble gets boring after a while, right? Uh, I wouldn't say that, but uh, Brent brought some new energy to the table, I'd say. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that he does. He's pretty intense. That's for sure. All right. We got a few names and teams and people to name off here for our Tiger Kings and Carol Baskins of the week. Got to polish off our trophies and... I don't know what we actually give for Carol Baskins. We give like a oh, we give laughter out for those cow dung. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any shows of that up on, on hand? their doorstep? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be the ultimate. <laughs> I wish we could do that. We probably get arrested for that first of all, but uh, we don't do that for all of you cops out there. Did you listening. hear that? That was Bradley's idea. <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's start with the Tiger King. All right, our first Tiger King is the one and only Travis Etienne. As you know, as you were watching the game, he broke quite a few records on Saturday. He became the all-time ACC rushing leader, as well as he broke the FBS record for most games with a touchdown with 42. Let's stand and go. Our boy. That's right. Step aside, Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> First on my Heisman. There you go. List. <laughs> Do I, does anyone else vote in your Heisman list? No, it's my Heisman nah, list. Never mind, I'll shut up. Yeah, as well as, I mean, I have a Heisman vote, obviously. Obviously, yes. In addition to my own personal Heisman. You, you get what I'm saying here? Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the first Carol Baskins award goes to the Clemson Tigers secondary. Woo! Um, they were not good, especially in the first half. Um, they gave up seven catches of uh, over 10 yards downfield, 155 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. Of course, they tightened the screws a bit in the second half, but they did not look good at all in the first half and they were sort of what I would say were the reason for 
uh, this team getting down by so many points. Uh, they were most to blame, I should say, on the on the defense. They just didn't look yeah. as sharp as they usually do. Pulled it together in the second half, but yeah. How about they get half of Carol Baskin's trophy? They just get Carol. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. There you go. All right. What's the next Tiger King? All right. Second one, we've got DJU, or at least some people call him the Big Cinco. Ooh, I like. I'm not sure what we're, we should we should actually call him, Big Cinco or DJU. What do you think? Since you like to vote on things. Uh, well, we could call him BC. Big Cinco. How about DJ UBC? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go with that. DJ UBC. We're first here to this. We claim it for everyone <laughs> listening out there. You heard it here first. Hey, uh, he had a pretty funny uh, quote this week uh, or after the game. Here's what he said. I was talking to my mom about like, man, I'm about to start. I'm so my first game. Mom, like, it's pretty cool. I was talking about like, some of my coaches and stuff like that. Um, texted them. I mean, but I mean, once I got into the game, I knew. I wasn't really nervous. I, was, I just wanted to go out there and just do my best for the team. Pretty cool. <laughs> Talking to his mom. Does he really swear in front of his mom like that? I don't know. Uh, also, Reggie Bush texted him. I was asking you, how does he know Reggie Bush? I don't know. They probably were paid by the same person. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Whoa! Why would you say something like that? Jeez. Sheesh. We're kidding. Shut up out Once there. Once again, moving on. Yes. All right. The next Carol Baskins Award. And this is a full one, by the way. This isn't just a Carol. This is a double whammy. Uh, the Boston College punt return and coverage teams. Good work out there. So, yeah, thank you. They uh, We talked about this as a pivotal play. Of course, they had that uh, punt return touchdown that was called back because of two penalties. And then this was maybe my favorite sequence of the whole entire game. When their punter, got to feel bad for the guy. He pinned Clemson inside the five twice, and both of them were negated because of penalties. But Good work. they also, in that same possession, didn't Clemson get a, a penalty on the return, and they went back all the way to like the 10-yard line? Yes. So <laughs> yes. it's funny how that still works out. Yes, but it first started with Boston College yes. and their their coverage team. So they get my second Carol Baskin Awards. All right, who uh, who's your final Tiger King? All right, our third and final Tiger King of the week goes to our big friend, also referred to as Big Dave. And of course, that would be DJ UBC's father. <laughs> the father. Tell you what, that guy was on the screen almost as much as DJU was. And I didn't get enough of him. I don't know about you. There's something about, like, there's some about dads in the stands watching their son play football, but then there was something different about Big Dave here watching... <laughs> DJ UBC kill it out there. Mostly because I thought he was going to run out onto the field yeah. <laughs> and crush all of Boston College with he his... Big, he was a big boy. Yeah, he was pretty big, though. Do you think that's why they call him Big Dave? I don't know. Really? Wow. I just I just made that connection. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. The final award we have is our last Carol Baskin Award. And this, of course, goes to the two-point conversion attempts from Clemson this week. Killed it. 0 for 2 on both of them. But let's, uh, let's talk about, well, okay, the first one, just a bad pass by uh, DJUBC. Yeah, say it fast. DJUBC. All right, I'm sorry. I'll get there. And uh, the second one, though, was perhaps the most horrendous, <laughs> horrendous sequence of football I have ever seen in my whole entire life. And I'm old. I've seen a lot of football so far. Here's what happened. Let me, ju let me just lay it out here for you. 
All right, so they uh, were trying to go up by, they're, they're up by four in the fourth quarter. So they're going to go for two, right? To go up by six points. So the team runs off after the touchdown. And Dabo talked about it after the game. He said, we told them we're going to go for two after we score a touchdown. Well, they run off, so they have to call a timeout. Then they have a false start. So now they're backed up even further. Great. Okay, no big deal. Offense is clicking. Well, they have to call another timeout. And then they decide they're just going to kick the extra point, right? And of course, this is where our friend Greg destroyed BT Potter's confidence behind his back. <laughs> Worse than what we do. <laughs> piece of crap. And uh, we got this out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then BT Potter missed his first PAT attempt of the year, of his career, not just the year. I think it's our favorite sound of the year so far. Yeah, get used to that because you're going to hear it a lot. From right up there with bamboo. Yeah, you'll hear that in a second because we always finish out our episodes with that. So that that whole sequence was just disgusting. It was, <laughs> it was so gross. I don't even like to talk about it anymore. It makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Just bad. All right. That's going to do it for this, not just our Tiger King and Carol Baskins, but unfortunately this whole episode. Thanks for joining us. Man, this is going to be a great week. We have some great guests for you this week. Pete Davidson of The Athletic, he writes about Notre Dame, is going to join us uh, later this week to give us a lowdown on what we should expect from the Fighting Irish. And, uh, and then later in the week, we'll have some other guests to be announced, of course. So be sure to join us for those. And as always... Be good out there. Good bamboo.